Hey, everybody. Welcome again to the latest installment of The Way It Is. And I am your host. You know who I am. Luke Amafato, Remax Service First Realty here in Kingston. Um, today's going to be, a guess, a better late than never bit of a topic uh, in between some guests that are pending. Um, and we're going to talk about waterfront properties. I know we touched on them maybe briefly several podcasts ago, uh, just in terms of market value and stuff. But today we're going to delve into... Well, waterfront properties, why buy one, questions you need to ask, things you need to know. Uh, and uh, of course, in this market, uh, since the pandemic, uh, recreational and waterfront properties have probably been, and you've heard me mention it, the best producing product, uh, real estate product in the marketplace today, I'd say, bar none. Um, so I guess first question is, is waterfront or waterfront real estate a good investment? 100% yes. Even in non-pandemic times, it's still a good investment. Uh, um, historically, waterfront properties would normally outpace uh, values in inland properties, i.e. suburban residential properties. Simple, if you want to break it down to its core essence, it's a scarce commodity, right? They're not making any more of it. So if you can get onto, uh, and, and we all know that uh, lakes, uh, those that are uh, considered premier lakes in this region, uh, we've all heard stories of the Muskokas, uh, you know, uh, when it's in demand, the values will follow. So, um, but there are some prop bodies of water and waterfront uh, uh, properties uh, in this region and all through Ontario and, and other provinces as well, is um, when people buy waterfront, they automatically make the assumption that they own the shoreline. Well, that may or may not be the case. So, uh, and I'm not sure if any of you have heard this term, but it's called riparian rights. And basically, ripa, which is the Latin der derivative uh, meaning shore or shoreline, is, uh, is what you need to know if you own. Because on certain systems, like the Rideau system, which we have here, which is fantastic because people can basically boat from Kingston all the way to Ottawa through uh, lakes like Dog Lake, Cranberry Lake, the Rideau Canal, all those systems, right? Well, technically, there is a 66-foot wide road uh, shore road allowance, meaning that the Crown does have access to that property. So do people build docks? Do people build boathouses? Do people build permanent structures? Yes, they do. However, that being said, uh, there are some spots where you may not necessarily own the land that those structures are on. And so now I haven't heard of any issues happening, but if there ever came a day when someone knocked at the door and said, hey, you got to move that dock or you got to get rid of that, that could happen. So those are things, that's something you definitely want to uh, question. And then, of course, there's also properties with water access, right? So meaning that the property sits uh, away from the body of water, and then there's some sort of deeded right-of-way or access point, whether it's just for, this for your particular property or for the group of cottagers or properties that sit along this body of water where it's a communal and uh, access point where people can take advantage. There's a place, uh, a subdivision uh, north of the city, streets like Four Seasons Drive. There's a beach out there called Davidson Beach. So Four Seasons, that estate subdivision, everyone has a deeded access to an access point that gets you out to Davidson's Beach. All right. But it's not, you're not directly, of course, on the water 
uh, with, uh, with shoreline. And, and those exist everywhere in this region. So those, that's the type of thing that, that you need to really, you know, definitely focus on uh, because, again, uh, you want to make sure that if that's your intention, that you want to be able to, uh, you know, play in the water, build a dock, uh, pull your boat up, all that kind of stuff. You just want to make sure uh, by checking either with your realtor, but of course, even your lawyer, Previous to making an offer, your lawyer could do a quick search just to confirm uh, if those riparian rights exist or not. So um, the other thing is, you know, we, you get into uh, access, right? So a lot of people during the pandemic, of course, if you're going to work from home, let's work from home out in this beautiful, peaceful setting. We got our waterfront, we got our home, we got, you know, da 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 da. Well, that's great, but access is key. Is the road, is the property actually zoned year-round or seasonal? That's going to have a big impact for a couple of reasons. One, for your financing, because lenders will ask that question. And so if it's seasonal, that's going to impact how much of a down payment you're going to put down. You're not going to be able to buy it like a regular residential home. Um, and then the other thing is amenities and services that the municipality is going to provide you, meaning that that road may not get plowed in the wintertime by the municipality. Maybe now there's a, uh, which we see very often, uh, all the uh, homeowners or the cottage owners or the property owners, I guess, if you will, if they are going to choose to to live there in, during the winter, uh, who's going to plow the road and who's going to pay for it, right? So, those are questions you definitely need to ask. The other thing is the type of road, right? I mean, is it easy off the main highway? Is it 40 minute drive, you know, up and down winding roads and hills and the road gets washed out or something like that? So, and again, this is gonna depend on your use. If you're, if you're looking to live there year round, then obviously access is key. The other thing is we all wanna be remote. We all wanna be maybe less isolated, but we also want our privacy. What's internet like? We all know that broadband is a huge concern for just people living in rural areas, let alone someone that now has to work from home or has chosen to work from home and needs 5G or needs high-speed internet, right? Because going uh, outside, uh, you know, municipal boundaries, um, broadband and, and internet service is spotty at best, right? So, and there's only less than a handful of providers that are even going to guarantee you the speed that you need. I sold a property this year on Salmon Lake and my clients are professionals, uh, both working from home in, in, you know, power jobs. And they, we, that was one of the biggest things we had to research and get somebody out there to verify that they could get the speed they needed before they purchased the home. So, Again, th these are things that everybody gets, you know, I, I, you know, you want to get excited and you, you love the setting and all that kind of thing, but you got to peel away the emotion. You got to peel away the excitement and start thinking about what does real life mean when I, you know, close the deal and drop my bags, right? Um, Sandy Beach, you know, everybody wants Sandy Beach. Uh, I had laughed always and my line to everybody, <laughs> all my clients over the years was, uh, we live in the Canadian Shield. So I I'm not saying there weren't some naturally occurring Sandy Beaches, but 
I dare say that most of the sandy beaches that exist on waterfront properties today was because back when you could get away with it, somebody brought in a bunch of truckloads of sand and made themselves a sandy beach. So be careful with that because, you know, you just, if, if you want sandy beach and you just think you're going to get a couple of yards of it from whatever corner, uh, you know, supplier there that gives you all your stone and everything like that, and you're just going to bring it in and dump it down, uh, think twice. Because the other thing that's happening all the time now is that the Ministry of Natural Resources, <clears throat> and they do flybys all the time of shorelines because you can't improve your shoreline or do anything to your shoreline without proper permission and permits, right? So meaning building a permanent dock, uh, building a boathouse, um, changing the shoreline, the trenching, uh, cutting trees down, right? So those are all things that you need to know and you need to get your head around, you know, and I know there's the overarching uh, adage, uh, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission, but I'm going to tell you in recent years, MNR doesn't mess around anymore. The fines are extremely punitive uh, and I can tell you they come down hard on those that basically flagrantly break the rules. So um, again, and, and I'm, I'm making this sound like, ooh, you know, I'd never want to buy a waterfront or even look at waterfront property. That's not the case. Obviously, people live in these waterfront homes. They enjoy them. They come up for sale and the values are gone through the roof, you know, and I will get to that in a minute because I've got this, the most recent stats year to date uh, and it's ridiculous. I'll, uh, you know, going back to the very first question, is it a good investment? So, you know, the other thing, though, if you're going to live there and even if you're not going to live there, if it's going to be a cottage, you need to... Use the bathroom. How are you going to get rid of your waste, right? Does it have a holding tank? Can it accommodate? Can the parcel of land with this ramshackle cottage on it or with a home on it, how old is the septic sewage tile bed system? Can it even accommodate one if this one literally, no pun intended, craps out, right? So what are you going to do? So those, again, are questions because holding tanks aren't a bad thing, right? Let's understand that because all it means is that when it fills up, you got to pump it. So... There's a fixed cost to that, but there's another. That's another cost to owning this waterfront property. Um, the uh, water, potable water, again, depending on whether you own the shoreline and whether you have these riparian rights. You know, lake intake back in the day when I sold cottages and even sold waterfront homes. Now everybody poo-pooed lake intake, and I always said, well, why? Why would you do that? As long as you have a great filtration uh, system and a UV light to kill any bacteria or anomalies in the water and the lines are buried below the frost line, you have heated lines, you're never going to run out of water as opposed to drilling a well, which again, over time, that's things can change with water tables. Sometimes wells go dry, sometimes they perform well, sometimes they don't, depending again on the area that you're in, the body of water that you're near, all of those factors, right? So, if it's just going to be a cottage and you're just going to hang out on the weekends, then a holding tank is fine. But if it's going to be something you're going to live in all the time, you know, again, you got to just take a big picture look at what does this look like to live in? What are there going to be the costs associated with it? What am I needing to do to make this home uh, habitable for me, for my family, uh, or even as a cottage to make it enjoyable on the weekend so that you're not stressing out that if the toilet backs up or you don't have running water, right? So um, boundaries, right? <laughs> in the country, especially, and then waterfront properties, especially because some of these cottages get sold from generation to generation or don't get sold for literally decades. 
you know, and, and Grandpa Fred had the cottage. He built it. I mean, I, when I was doing some research, uh, you know, there's a story there that this woman bought a cottage from a, a gentleman. Uh, he thought he sold it on land that the, the father had built the cottage on. And sure enough, it was all built on this shore road allowance that I just described to you. So somebody knocked at the door and said, like, you really can't even have this structure here and you really don't own any of it. You don't own the shoreline. You don't own any of the waterfront. You don't know anything. And and so there you go. And that created a bit of a, you know, a legal hornet's nest because this woman went into it buying something she thought she could use to, you know, and, and everything else. And then it became a bit of a nightmare, right? So amenities, right? Those that are buying waterfront properties, uh, and again, not to be Debbie Downer here, but, um, you know, how close are you to a grocery store? How close are you to a healthcare facility? The, can a, can a 911 emergency vehicles get down your road, get into you? And again, not to sound somber, but these are real life things now, right? If somebody calls 911, how long is it going to take the paramedics to get there? How long is it going to take the fire engine to get or fire truck to get there? How long is it going to take? Can they get down the road? All those kinds of questions, depending on your demographic, right? Obviously, those questions are less relevant, depending. But uh, again, it's something to really think about. And I know in this market, it's challenging because these things come up and they don't last long. And you got to bid, outbid other people that want this waterfront, especially those from other centers, because to them, this stuff is like candy and it's uber cheap come depending on the area they're coming from right so but you know next thing you know you're dropping all this money and and now you you know and you're in a situation where you you can't live the life you wanted you envisioned and 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 use the property the way you'd envisioned right timing and time of year of course plays a big role right um i have sold waterfront properties in the wintertime i'm not gonna lie to you but you really got to be careful because when the shoreline is frozen and there's snow covered and it's ice covered, you can't tell how deep the water is. You can't tell how many weeds are there. Now, you know, a good agent who knows the area, knows the bodies of water, has had experience, you know, uh, would know bodies of water that are susceptible to uh, weed growth to muddy bottoms. The, the Rito system is all muddy bottoms, right? I mean, it, it, part of the creation of the Rito system was the purposeful flooding and drowning of land to create the, the system that we have now, right? Um, so you have to know, uh, depending on, and so that takes some investigation, some historical investigation, uh, you know, some inquiries, uh, talk to neighbors, those kinds of things, right? Um, and, and again, you know, this is the time of year now, and uh, that's why I sort of said better late, better say, uh, late than never is, you know, we've gone through the the primary waterfront season. And now though, after Thanksgiving, you're going to see either late this year or sometimes early in the spring. Now the families that have used the cottage for the very last time, got the family together for Thanksgiving. And now all of a sudden it's like junior doesn't want it. Cousin Mildred doesn't want it and nobody wants it. Who's going to take care of it? And so then you'll start seeing some of these properties come back up on the market in the spring, potentially even late in the year too. Right? So Things, these are all things now you have to start thinking about if waterfront is your goal. So now going to, uh, you know, um, 
values uh, and everything. Here we go. So uh, year to date, um, in in and in fact, the and I think this is one I touched on on a previous podcast. But um, curiously enough, and this was obviously in the height of the pandemic, but in February from February twenty twenty to February twenty twenty one. Uh, and then we're going from uh, 2019. The average price was just under 400,000. In 2020, it went to 780, and now in 2021, it went to 861, just over 861,000. The next biggest month was May, of course, which speaks to the start of the spring. And here we go. 2019, we were at 482. 2020, 578 almost, and then 2021, almost 720 right? So market increases, market, market increases, right? So is waterfront a good investment? Yes, it is. The other thing though, is the intrinsic value of buying this piece of property, right? And these are the things that you can't put value on and you, they're only derived value to you and yourself, right? And this is why you, some people get, can't get past, you know, the nose at the end of their face, because at the end of the day, if it's, if it accomplishes all your goals, it's a body of water that you want to be on. It's got the shoreline that you like. You own the shoreline. You know, da 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 checks all the boxes. You know, sometimes paying a premium is worth it because, like I said before, the reason waterfront does go up in value all the time is it's a scarce commodity. So if you don't buy it, someone else is going to, and then it's going to be hard to replace because they're just not making any more of it, right? So, so there you have it. That was the quick snapshot on waterfront properties. And I didn't get into specific lakes around here because everyone has their biases in terms of what body of water they prefer. Loughborough Lake, uh, for those of you that are from Kingston, Kingston and area, know that that, you know, became a bit of a Hollywood Bowl there for a while at Hockey Player Lake, you know, with uh, all the retired Maple Leafs bought on it and some celebrities. And so values took off there because of that. But there's two basins to Loughborough Lake. And, and I, I dare say the shoreline in some is better than others in terms of weeds, in terms of clarity, in terms of depth. And even in terms of access, you get onto one shore of the Lumber Lake. And I'm going to tell you, I think one place that I remember showing or something had over 120 stairs to get down to the waterfront and back up. So unless you want to stay fit, which you could, I mean, that would be a good, that'll save you buying your Peloton going up and down that set of stairs, uh, you know, a couple of times a, a day. Um, you know, and then, you know, like I said, the Rito system, Dog Lake has some great places. Charleston Lake is a very sought after lake, um, you know, going uh, northeast of here, northwest of here, Bob's Lake, Crow Lake, uh, Sharber Lake. I mean, big bodies of water. Uh, and then you get up into further north and Westport and Big Gull Lake and the Big Rideau. You're getting into big water, right? And that's the, and then we even have, of course, right at our doorstep, Lake Ontario, right? And so that's what you got. And that's another thing, you know, just to quickly touch on if you're a boater or not, right? Or what kind of boater you want to be, right? Because Lake Ontario, as much as it has some fantastic shorelines, some, some fantastic sunsets and views and everything, you get big blows, you're exposed waterfront, and it's tough to moor a boat there unless you got some pretty significant can um, uh, mooring and uh, decking or dock system and stuff like that, which can cost a lot of money. Okay. So anyway, I hope you found this helpful. Any questions, of course, you can always call, you can always email. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. So uh, thanks very much for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one. Mm -hmm.